Welcome to A Feminist in Progress, the podcast that's been opening books to retell the stories of journalists who broke the news stories that helped usher the Me Too movement as we know it today. In this episode, we're focusing on the last two chapters of Jodi Cantor and Megan Tuhi's 2019 book, She Said. We look at the aftermath of the news stories publication, as well as a pivotal moment in recent history that tested the new grounds broken by the Me Too movement. In the months following the breaking of the news stories about Harvey Weinstein's sexual harassment and assault of women, both in the New York Times and the New Yorker, the world found itself in new territories, if you will. As the authors write, quote, the old rules on sex and power had been partly swept away. But it was not clear what the new ones would or should be. There was little agreement and rancorous debate over what behaviors were under scrutiny, how to know what to believe, and what accountability should look like, end quote. Even the stories that were coming out of the news media complicated matters when stories were run that relied on a single source or unnamed accusers. And the Weinstein stories were not enough to seize grave misconduct in other industries. It didn't magically put an end to other victims' experiences of abuse, obviously. Jody Cantor reported on the experiences of low-income workers, whose cries of Me Too were barely shattering glasses that kept them isolated from prominent famous actresses. It was as if Me Too was simultaneously not enough and too much. But the event that would test the Me Too movement post-Weinstein was the allegations of Dr. Christine Blasey Ford against Judge Brett Kavanaugh, who in 2018 was then a Supreme Court nominee. In August 2018, Jody received a text message from attorney Deborah Katz, who specialized in sexual harassment, employment issues, and whistleblowing. Katz tipped off Jody about an allegation of sexual assault against Kavanaugh. Of this, the authors write, quote, From the very first nameless sketch, the scenario that Katz had described summoned some of the most complicated and unresolved issues in the Me Too conversation. The dilemmas of how to deal with painful incidents from the past. The challenges of coming up with fair processes for accusers to complain and the accused to respond. The debates over accountability. If this woman's story was true, should job candidates be judged based on something they did in high school, end quote. Personally, I will never forget a photo of Dr. Christine Blasey Ford on the day she gave her testimony. With her eyes closed from taking a breath, right hand raised over to swear the truth, and a group of huddled photographers capturing every moment. Little did we know that it took a lot for her to reach that moment. She initially left an anonymous tip on the Washington Post when she found out that Kavanaugh was primed to be nominated for the Supreme Court. Later, she wrote in confidentiality to the office of Senator Dianne Feinstein, detailing the night of the alleged assault in the early 1980s. 
She also experienced threats to her safety. Given that she was simultaneously a symbol of bravery and of the Me Too backlash. Nonetheless, she persisted. She gave what Cantor and Tuki described as, quote, the most sensitive testimony anyone in Washington had heard in a long time. And she also said this in her testimony. I had to relive this trauma in front of the world and have seen my life picked apart by people on television, on Twitter, other social media, other media, and in this body who have never met or spoken to me. I am an independent person and I am no one's pawn. My motivation in coming forward was to be helpful and to provide facts about how Mr. Kavanaugh's actions have damaged my life so that you could take into serious consideration as you make your decision about how to proceed. Wow. Kavanaugh would still go on to be confirmed as Supreme Court Justice, but it was not the final measure of the Me Too movement. As Cantor and Tuhi write, quote, a few weeks before, McDonald's workers, including Kim Lawson, the woman Jody had interviewed, had held a coast-to-coast walkout over the company's weak sexual harassment policies. Historians were calling it the country's first sexual harassment-related strike in a century. Leslie Moonves, the chairman of CBS, stepped down, becoming the first Fortune 500 CEO to lose his job in the reckoning. The day before, the Nobel Peace Prize Committee had announced that its 2018 award would go to Nadia Murad and Dennis Mukwage, two activists who had worked to end sexual violence. At that moment, the Times was finishing a shocking story about Google and secret problems among some of its top male executives, including the so-called father of Android phones who had been paid $90 million to leave the company after another employee had accused him of forced oral sex an allegation he denied, end quote. We live in the time of hashtag me too, where we at least stop and attempt to scrutinize behaviors that are in the least inappropriate and at most abusive. Some days it can feel like the change was only short term with events proving that the entertainment industry is quick to forgive accusers or at least, you know, give them a pass. For instance, just recently, prominent accused abusers Louis C.K. won a Grammy for Best Comedy Album and problematic figure Marilyn Manson also won a Grammy for being featured in Best Rap Song winner Jail with Kanye West. Can you imagine that were he not in jail, Harvey Weinstein would still be producing movies today? I mean, Weinstein is lucky he's in jail. Let's admit, if he's not in jail, that man will be putting out movies like it was nothing. And here we are, more than five years, 
well, more than four years since Jody Cantor and Megan Tuhi and Ronan Farrow worked on their new stories to break the, the allegations and accusations of Harvey Weinstein's sexual harassment and abuse. As vital as these books are to journalists, you know, to aspiring journalists and feminist advocates such as myself, I wonder if I look back on these books and the stories they told and be able to say that, you know, yes, things indeed have changed. Or I wonder if these books merely captured lightning in a bottle. I'd hate <laughs> to end on such a, a dour note. Um, usually with these episodes, I tend to be more optimistic and such, but I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of reeling in a way from the reality that we've both come so far, yet it feels like, if I may borrow a title from Olivia Rodrigo's album, it feels like it's a one step forward, three steps, three steps back. But I don't know. As a feminist, I'd like to believe change does happen, that we do make a difference. Yet, why does it feel like little progress has happened? Anyway, thanks for tuning in to the mini-series on She Said. If anything, I hope that we listen to people who have stories especially survivors and that we never stop listening when people say me too <laughs>